0: Good morning. Good morning, Brother Nelligan saying, bring what the Lord has laid on your heart reminds me of, we were traveling in twenty, know, 2012 or something like that, and we were, was it 2012? Because we were in the States for six or eight weeks, it wasn't a long time, but we had meetings all the time, two meetings on Sunday, meeting on Wednesday, we had some meetings on Thursday, And uh, my grandparents lived in Schenectady, outside of Albany. And I think it was a it was a Wednesday or Thursday night. I said, and we were just tired. Like we just want I just want to go sit in these service. So we we found this little church that didn't support us. They didn't know about you know we didn't know them. They didn't know us. Never met them. Um, We drove in. We sat in the parking lot until like two minutes till. We got there like 15 minutes early because I cannot stand being late. So, but we're sitting there in the parking lot. We waited till everybody went in. It was a small church. We walked in. We had a baby. We've had babies for 24 years. So somebody had to go to the nursery. So I don't know who it was, but Katie brought the baby to the nursery. And I sat in the back row. I don't even think i wore a suit coat that night because I'm like, well, they won't ask me to preach if I don't have a suit coat on. Or they won't think I'm a missionary if I don't have a suit jacket on. So we sat in the back row, and there was about 20, 25 people there sat in the back row, came in during the first verse of the song, and the pastor's up there already, so I didn't have to meet the pastor, and so I'm thinking everything's good, we're safe. Go through the song, service, that word of prayer, we sit down, and the pastor's like, my wife tells me that we have missionaries with us here tonight. She was the one working in the nursery, and um, he's he's like, Brother Malucci, would, would you mind coming up and giving, you know, 10 or 15 minutes about Bulgaria? And I'm I'm like, fine. I, I love to talk about Bulgaria and you know what we do over there. So that, I'm like, okay, I could deal with that. I'll talk for a few minutes. I'll give them the little longer version, because I have like a five-minute version that I usually do when I'm preaching, because I'm going to get to talk anyway. But I, I gave them the full 15-minute version, thinking, now I did my duty, and now I could sit and enjoy the service. So I finished, went back, and sat down. They went through announcements, had another song, and then they the pastor said, "Well, open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter whatever." We stood to our feet and we read the passage. I think we read it responsibly. It was on a Wednesday night. We finish, and so he goes to praise, like, "Father, bless this, bless that, bless the service this evening, and bless Brother Malucci as he brings us what you've laid on his heart." <laughs> I tr- I tried not to react with a with a any facial expression, but. <laughs> Uh, it was good. It was good. The Lord, the Lord is always right. He's always like uh, seeing where our spirits are. So, um, I do appreciate we coming back to um, the Northeast. So now that we've traveled the country and been in all different places, uh, Northeasterners are their own flavor, and we are Northeasterners. <laughs> um, we have a couple boys out in the Midwest. They've really struggled there, and they're trying to come back east. And then forget California, forget it. California, Oregon, and Washington. I don't know what's going on there. And then down south, they're still living in the 1860s. So <laughs> still fighting the Civil War. Um, did I ever tell you the story when I was in Bible College? Before we opened up the Bible here. We are in Bible College. I, I've only I've done a couple stupid things. Not too many. Uh, one of them was jumping a moving train to, to be to the meeting on time. That was really dumb. Because when you're running next to a moving train to, to get like momentum to get on. It's one thing. But when you're on the train in a, in a suit carrying your Bible and notes and stuff and you have to jump off into the rocks, that's another thing. And that was dumb. But probably the dumbest thing I did in Bible College was um, they had this North-South day. <laughs> and basically it was like everybody can wear jeans and carry Confederate flags to chapel. There's like a thousand students there and from all over the country. So... Uh, it was my senior year, and I was carpooling with a guy from New York, a guy from Michigan. I said, okay, tomorrow's North Sound Day. I said, let's go, let's do this. Let's go buy a Confederate flag. Well, I'll drag it around during the day. Then right before, when the speakers come up on the platform right before chapel, we're going to go up there and we'll tear the Confederate flag in pieces. So they're like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> let's do that. So we went to an Army surplus store, bought this, the biggest Confederate flag we could find, we I kind of frayed the edges, tore some little rips in it, and the next day I dragged it around class. Before chapel I was dragging it around so people from the south were like getting mad and and people from the north were like, you know, oh man, they're stepping on it and stuff and wiping their feet on it. And um we get to chapel, we're sitting in the front row right over here, my guy, so we could see the speakers are about to come out. I'm like, Okay, let's go rip this flag. Well, all of a sudden my guy's chickened out. I'm like I'm going up there. So I, I came up. I stood behind the pulpit, and I held up this Confederate flag. Well, you know, there's a 1,000 students there, so people did. They thought I was, like, holding up for the Confederacy, so all the people from the South were like, ooh, ooh. And then I was like, shh. Oh, my goodness. There was a dude from South Carolina in the front seat. They came up to rescue the flag. Like, five or six guys came up to, like, tear the flag out of my hand. Well, then my guys come up. We had like 20 guys brawling on the platform right before a chapel. Yeah, that was the last north-south day they ever had at Hiles Anderson College. <laughs> we won't be ripping any flags this morning. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Stay moldable. We're going to talk about that for a few minutes. Stay moldable. The Christian life is about faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's something we it's it's stepping without seeing where exactly you may be going. And just following God, trusting God and what He has for us. Matthew chapter six, we're going to read a few familiar verses, then we'll look at another passage, but um, in the Christian life, we never get to a point where, like we could put it on coast, like okay, now I've made it in the Christian life. I finally acquired everything I need. I finally hit my stride, and now I just have to coast home until I die. The Christian life is about growth. The Christian life is about change. It's about God pushing us. It's about God expanding us. It's about God testing us. It's about God purifying us. It's it's about uh, God working in our lives to, to accomplish his will for his glory. Matthew chapter 6, very familiar passage. Verse 25, of the Bible says, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? This, that verse right there goes... One hundred and eighty degrees against what this what the world's philosophy is I mean the world that 's all they're telling us to do. you need to take care of yourself, take care of yourself, you need to plan for the future, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need insurance on every little thing you got you need you need more safety nets you need it's all about safety it's all about taking care of yourself it 's all about uh, uh, your own. It's about your clothes. It's about your food. It's about your house. It's about the value of your house. It's about. It's all about us. That's you turn on the television. It's all about. We were in the states last year. Uh, obviously we obviously don't have American television over in Bulgaria, but we're in the states last year. And we're in the hotels. We watched more television last year than we've watched. Our, we were really backsliding on furlough, but we turn on the television. I mean, every time there's commercials, it's about. They're selling you pills for something, some pharmaceutical. Like every t- every commercial on whatever show you're watching, it's all about what? Why? It's all about you. you. You need to feel good. Are you doing this? Are you you know in this state of mind? Are you? And then there's a thousand side effects for what you're taking. So you need to take more pills. And it, it was all about. It's all about your health, your safety, your the good for you, your comfort. What Jesus said. I say don't don't take thought for it. Don't worry about it. Look at verse uh, 25, uh, 26. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not. Neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeded them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And then verse 28, he asks the same question, says the same thing. Why take ye thought for raiment? I'm going to teach you about faith. I want you to follow me, and I will take care of all these things. Look what he says. Well, verse 32, for after all these things, the Gentiles seek. That's what the world's doing. They're in the rat race to, to, stay, to, to uh, uh, keep up with the Joneses. And that, you know, it doesn't matter what country you go to. That's the way the people live. Every country in the world complains about the prices. It doesn't matter what they are. Like in Bulgaria, we complain about the price of fuel. I'm also complaining about the price of fuel when I'm over there because it's $6 a gallon. <clears throat> been, it was $5 a gallon when we moved there 20 years ago. Now it's $6 a gallon. So when you are in one place where it's so expensive, then you come back here, it's like, New York is awesome. I'm only paying three eighty dollars a gallon. What? <laughs> it's all perspective. And that's what God's trying to do here. He's trying to give us Perspective. It's always good. It's never right to complain, ever, because God takes care of us if we're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which he goes on to say here. The Gentiles are seeking after these things, verse 32. Your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil their own. Now, verse 33, one of the most famous verses in the Bible, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That is our job as Christians. That's not the job of the pastor. That's not the job of the evangelist or or just the Sunday school teacher. That is the job of us as Christians, to seek first the kingdom of God. These promises that Jesus is making here are not to the upper echelon. They are to his followers. If you are going to be a follower of Christ, this this is the way it works. You seek first my kingdom, I'll take care of everything else. Now what, what happens is when we when we when we seek God and His kingdom, we put ourselves into His hands, and then then He leads and guides us through life to places that we never thought we would go. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll talk a little bit about this. Father, we thank you for this day. As Brother Nelligan said, we we appreciate the opportunity to meet. Uh, we appreciate the fact, Father, that you allowed us to be born in a place where we don't worry about being shut down today. We don't worry about somebody banging on the door about finding out what's going on here. Father, we live in absolute religious freedom as of right now. We thank you for that. We thank you for your word that's come down to us through centuries of our fathers and forefathers in the in the faith, Father, standing for the word. And we pray that the The word would not end with us, Father, but that we would pass it on to the next generation. And that we would be the light that you'd want us to be. We pray that you'd be with the services today, here in this place. We pray that your Holy Ghost would have free reign. Father, I ask you for words to speak. I pray that you'd keep me from saying anything I should not say. Let our hearts be open. May your word fall on good ground and bring forth fruit to your honor and glory. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So staying flexible, staying malleable for for Christ is basically what is our job as a Christian. At Bible college they told us flexibility is the second greatest ability, behind dependability. And wow, that I have quoted that every week for the last twenty years. You just you just have to be flexible. Like I I had in my mind what was going to happen when we went to Bulgaria. Like I knew what I wanted to do, I knew what my goals were, I knew how I was going to do it, I. I, I, w- I was determined. I'm like, if, if, it, if it comes down to wanting to do something and then working to get that done, then we're going to get it done. You know, we went there. We moved over in 2003. And um, my, my goal was to start a church within 18 months after moving there. So we moved over July 29, 2003. And we didn't know the language. And we didn't know. We didn't have any prospects. We weren't working with another missionary. There was only one other guy that we knew. He's on the other side of the country, and he had just moved there like two months before. But I had this in my mind, and so we, we started to learn the language. We were feeding kids at a handicapped school. There's probably people in here that were involved in that so many years ago. We did that for a decade, and, and I was just with those kids every day playing, playing soccer or whatever and, and hearing the language, and we, we started to pick up the language, and then through miraculous means, God allowed us to open up the doors to our church on January 29, 2005, exactly 18 months to the day after we moved there. So now I'm thinking, okay, we got the church. We opened the doors. We started in Varna, which is a little little city, about a half a million people in the northeast corner of Bulgaria. And Bulgaria is it's not that big, about the size of Ohio. And so I'm thinking, this is in my mind, like my whole focus in and everything, every energy that I had was going towards Bulgaria. Like learning Bulgarian, you know, with Bulgarian flag. When we travel, we, I listen to Bulgarian, what is that? What do you call that? Folk music. I mean, it was, it was Bulgaria. Like Romania, I could care less about Romania. Romania is like an hour from us to the north. Romanians, they're, you know, I, I don't care about them at all. To the, to the west is the Serbians. they're they're meaner than Bulgarians, if you can believe that one, but the Serbians are to the west, and we have northern Macedonia, then we have the Greeks, Turkey. I didn't think about any of those places. I'm like, Bulgaria, we've got to reach Bulgaria. That's what I'm here for. These people need to hear the gospel, and that's why God's put me in Bulgaria. And so, in my my head, I had this, you know, and we're going to win eight or ten people to the Lord this first year. We'll disciple them, and we'll train them how to go out and reach other people, and then Year two we'll have twenty people, and then year three we'll have thirty people and year year five we'll have we'll start a Bible institute, and then you know we'll have some guys start teaching I'll start teaching and then another four or five years we'll start sending guys out and starting churches all over the country, and then in like twenty years, like we'll have this country done and we'll, then God can send me on to the next country this is this is what was in my head, and this was the direction I was going, but God had different plans, and so this goes back to, I know what's going on. I know what you need. You just walk forward. You just seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and I'll take care of everything else. And it wasn't very far into that uh, experience of, I mean, we would we'd pass out 70,000 invitations for a big day. And we had the boys, so, you know, we had the seven boys. The first seven children were all boys. So we'd be out we could do our city in like a week or two 70,000 houses. we hit everyone with invitations we're going to we're gonna have this big day we would we we're, we're going to give away something or do this or do that and we have like eight people show up like you know two of them are handicapped and one person is just got out of, let out of prison and one person's a you know it's like what am i doing i was just like banging my head against the wall and we i I get these servants that at first, the sermons would take eight or ten hours to prepare a sermon because I'm you know, trying to do it in Bulgarian. I would typed out uh, the sermon and typed out the verses in Bulgarian, taught myself how to type in Bulgarian. And I come in there, and you know, there's seven people there. And as soon as the sermon's over, you know, we're talking about you know, what we're doing next week. And, I, and I f- it felt futile, right? It felt like, well, okay, God, I thought you called me here to do something, and why aren't you using me to do that thing? And this is what we get in our heads as Christians. Well, I know, well, God wants me to do this, and we feel like, we, like, like God needs us to get something done. God doesn't need us to get anything done. He, it's a privilege to be used by God, but he calls us to be used by him in order to work on us. Like he, he put us in Bulgaria not because we had answers or because we had gone through the, the, you know, the independent Baptist system of, you know, I, well, I, I taught Sunday school for so many years, and I was faithful doing this so many years, and I was a deacon for this many years, and then I was a, a, an assistant pastor and a youth pastor, and then I made it up to a certain level. That's not the way Christianity works. Christianity is you trust me, and I take you to places that you didn't even imagine that you would be going to. And that's what God did. He, he, he reached down... And through, you know, it, it, was, it took a while because I'm, I'm hard-headed. But he reached down, and over the course of that first decade, he, like, opened up our eyes little by little that, wait, this is, this is not about the Maluchis reaching people for Christ. This is about Jesus. This is about the glory of the Father, and it's about the kingdom of God. That's what it's about. Take your bowels, turn quickly to Jonah. Chapter four. Jonah. I mean, we started the church so many dumb mistakes we made. Just here's another one of the mistakes we made. So we're in a former communist country, right, like, you don't give out information in a communist country about yourself. First of, first of all, everybody's, like, paying attention to everybody else what they're, you know, you walk into a restaurant, and it's quiet. That's, it's still like that a lot of times. You walk in, and everybody's, like, listening, like, sort of, like, looking, see who's there, see who's talking about what. You don't give out information. I remember the I learned the words, I just learned the words for good morning, which is "dobrutro." I don't know if I told this here before, but we're, I'm walking down the street. We've been there like two weeks, and there was a merchant marine that he spoke some words in English, so he lived by us, and he was taking me around. And so we're walking down the street, Seth, you've been there, and I, somebody walked by me, I'm like, "dobrutro," and the guy I'm walking with looks at me, he's like, what are you doing? Like, I said, I'm I'm, ta- I'm saying good morning to people. <clears throat> So we kept on walking. Another person walks by. Well, the person didn't react to me. The second person walks by. I'm like, Dobrutro. The person just kind of looks at me and walks by. And my guy, looks at. he stops. He goes, what are you doing? You cannot talk to people you do not know. Like, what do you mean? This is is in my head. Like, I'm going to change Bulgaria one good morning at a time, one smile at a time. (laughs) You know, people are just missing something. I'm going to give it to you. He's like, they will beat you up. They will punch you in the face. They don't know what you're talking about. They don't know you. You cannot just talk to people you don't know. Well, that was like 20 years ago. Now when Americans come, I'm like, do not talk to people you don't know because you will get punched in the face. But it's, it's you, you, you just go forward and you let God just change your direction. And uh, um, Jonah here is a good example of that because Jonah had in his head what he was supposed to do, right? He had what he thought was God's will. He was a man of God, and and he had and he had surrendered to God. But what God used him to do was not what Jonah wanted and, or expected. And you, we know the story well of Jonah, but his reaction in chapter four, after the entire city repents, just it, it, it sort of shows us, sort of a, mirror, a sort of a mirror of, of us sometimes right cuz we think well i'm going to bulgaria i'm going to win people to the lord and have people saved and baptized and and just get the gospel to those people when the whole reason god put us in bulgaria may be something totally different um you you uh you get married let's just talk about something practical you get married so why, why do people get married i mean it's just well everybody else is getting married or you know some you know this person loves me or we have in our head well, marriage I, you know i just want to live with the person that i love and And we have in our head our goals in marriage. Well, then a child comes along. And then it's like, okay, wait, we have, now what's going on here? We have this child. Why do we have a child? Should we have another child? We have all these questions. We have all these uh, uh, expectations of what we want. The goal in the Christian life is to allow God to direct those things. People ask us all the time. Well, how do you deal with 13 kids? I don't know. We had them one at a time. It's not like 13 people showed up at our door one day and i like, can you be our parents? It was it's one at a time. I mean, after, Katie will tell you, she told this story many times. When we had Santino, of course, I was expecting a baby. Santino was nine eight or something like that. Came out like looking around. It looked like a toddler already. I'm like, where's the cute little baby there? And babies aren't cute. Babies are ugly. They're just all ugly. Just keep saying they're cute so your wife doesn't slap you or something like that. But... Katie was having that baby, and after Santina was born, Katie was laying there, she, and she said to herself, Nick doesn't know this, but I'm never having another baby. <laughs> but you know what? Sometimes in our heads we have what we want, and, but God wants something different for us. And I don't know what, and we, can't, we don't know what God wants for us. That's what faith is. It's just trusting him to lead and guide us. And, that, and that's one place, that's one area where you can do that in marriage, well, these are my expectations for marriage, and my, my partner is not living up to those expectations. Well, maybe, maybe God has you married to that person for a reason that you don't understand. Maybe you're to be an example of, of Christ's love to the church or vice versa or the, or, or the church's submission to God. I don't know why God does what he does in your life, but that is, that is your purpose as a Christian to trust God with that. I don't know how many children you're supposed to have, and I don't know how many children we're supposed to have, but I know that God should be the one that leads and guides us. That's what I know. And so, you know, just talk about children again. Those 13 children, they came one at a time, and, and God in his time, you know, people would ask us, we'd have, let's, let's say, six kids. Oh, well, how many kids? Six kids. You know, how many kids do you want? Six. But, um, that was our answer the whole time. God gave us six. We want six. And when number seven came, we're like, no, Lord, take that one back. You know, No, is, okay, we want seven now. And wherever that, that is what God wants. That, you know, any parent, that's what a parent wants for their child. Just trust me. Just trust me. That's what a husband wants for a wife and a wife for a, hus- for a husband. Just, just trust me. I, I know what I'm talking about. Just trust me. I have the best intention for you. Just trust me. And that's what God wants for us. But the world is going the exact opposite way, and they're telling us, you need to take care of this. You need to do this. You need to look forward for that. You need to, you need to uh, uh, you know, insure yourself against all these things. The only person that can insure you is God. That's the only person that, that you can rest with a real peace in your heart is in the hands of God. It doesn't matter if you have $5 million in the bank, and you have 18,000 alarms on your house, and your car is... Self-driven, and so there's no error. It doesn't matter what you do. The only place where you can really be at peace is in the arms of God, trusting in Him. I, I was sitting with a pastor last year, and they don't support us, but we're sitting at the table. I think I had a couple of boys with me, and he's like, "So, yeah, my wife and I is down south. He's like, my wife and I were we're, we're just thinking about." You know, coming over, to, we'd like to visit you guys over there. Would it be safe for my wife to come over there? You, you realize how stupid that question is and how, how idiotic that question is. Is it safe for my wife to come over there? I, I'm thankful Katie didn't hear him. I might have had to slap him in after my wife slapped him. But my wife lives over there. What do you mean is it safe for your wife to come over there? It's just an idiotic question. Why? Because we're always thinking about ourselves. Well, I I need to take care of myself first. That is not the Bible way. That is not the Bible way. It's take care of what God wants you to take care of first, and God takes care of everything else. That's the Bible way. Jonah here, he had in his head what he thought God should do. And Jonah obeyed God. I mean, he ran from the first time, but he ended up obeying God and did not get the result that he wanted and look at look at his you know his prayer to God. This is kind of funny. Chapter four. It displeased Jonah exceedingly. He was very angry. He and he prayed unto the Lord and said, "I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that Thou art a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, and great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil." So Jonah, literally, as a as a as a The servant of God, serving God, and doing what God wanted him to do, does not like the result. He's praying to God that says he's praying to God, accusing God using God's good attributes. He's like, "I knew you were merciful. I knew you were slow to anger. You know, I knew you were going to do this." And you could see his flesh, kind of wrestling with his faith here. Now this is, and this is something we. All deal with. Doesn't matter where you are on the on the the totem pole of Christianity. Doesn't matter if you've been saved for two weeks and you're dealing with, you know, the pastor preaches on a, a on something where you you know you need to leave these friends behind, or or if you if you've been saved for twenty years and you've been teaching Sunday school for fifteen years, and you know, and maybe nobody else knows, but God is trying to work in your life to lead you a certain direction, but you're kind of. We all make excuses, right? We have excuses why we can't do this, we can't do that. Well, this isn't going to work. And God is trying to work in every single one of our lives. But we have to stay moldable. We have to stay malleable. We have to, we have to be able to trust him. So, look, as, as my flesh as a missionary, like when I was in Bible college, like, I mean, since the time I can remember, everything I've ever done, it's like the first hit I ever had in baseball was a game-winning home run. I was on this little league team i'd never played baseball organized baseball before we moved out to Hammond, Indiana. The armpit of the United States. Wow what is going on there this the armpit of the United States but we 're playing it 's like ninety five degrees on a summer day and i 'm playing on this team and I'd struck out my first two times at bat. They had the best pitcher in the league, and he 's throwing curveballs we 're like eleven years old, and this guy's throwing a curveball and i'd it was three and two, man on first. We're down by one in the bottom of the seventh inning, which was the last inning, and I hit a, hit a ball over the first base, first baseman's head, and went into the ditch. Home run! We won the game, and that was like the beginning of it for me. Like everything I did in Bible college, um, just it seemed like everything worked out. So my flesh, when I was called to Bulgaria, I'm like, okay, here we go. We're gonna go. We're gonna go over there. We're gonna Start a church. We're going to build a church. It may not be thousands, but, I mean, hundreds, surely. It's going to be the biggest church in Europe. I, I knew that. It was going to be the, this is going to be the biggest church in Europe. And we're, going to, you know, we're, going to, we're just going to get it done. It did, and it didn't happen. It never materialized. And so here you have that flesh and those fleshly expectations, and now they're sort of meeting what God wants for your life. Because we all have an expectation of what we think should happen. I'm going to say this while I'm thinking about it because it just popped into my head. Um, one of the things we did when when we first got married is we we sort of put put it in God's hands when it came to children. Now, that's a little bit obvious, but we're like, Lord, if if this child is not going to live for you, if this child is not going to get saved and not going to live for you, it's going to bring shame to your name. We would rather you take this child before before it changed your name, and we've had five miscarriages. And it, is it easy? No. Is it easy when you lose somebody you love? No. Is it easy going through difficulties and the trials? And look, we're we're humans. We we have emotions. We have feelings. Those things are not easy. But when you trust God, you can have that peace. That He knows. He knows. Uh, the pastor that um that pastor's first Baptist church right now, they have we, we met them when they had nine eight kids. They just lost their oldest son. He was on his way to Bible college, eighteen years old, <clears throat> and got in a car accident and he died. And I met him soon after that in Egypt and he was just recounting the story and I remember reading an article that his wife had written that, you know, Obviously, it's very difficult for them. Katie's talked to the wife. I mean, I don't know, maybe she cries every day about it, or it's it's often. But they know that God knows. And that's what Matthew 6 is talking about. That's what the Christian life is about. I don't know why. I don't know why, you know, God, why you put us in Bulgaria. What have we done? We just, uh, in 2022, last year, we closed our church in Barna. And now we're going, when we move back, we just put a deposit on an apartment like five hours away in Muslim territory to start a church in Muslim Bulgaria. Uh, I don't know what God's doing. I can't see the future. But when God is holding your hand, just everything's better. You go through the same difficulties. We have the, Christians have the same uh, uh, difficulties, the same losses, the same sicknesses, the same cancer, the same car accidents, the same financial issues that unsaved people have. But we have God. That is the difference. When you put yourself in God's arms and just let him guide you, you can have that peace. So the Lord has sort of changed our direction a couple times while we've been in Bulgaria. I mean, Jonah here Did not understand why God did what he did. But at the end of the day, I think Jonah came around, I guess because he wrote the book of Jonah. Probably the biggest evidence for that. But he was an example to us that we're always going to have that conflict between what I think God wants me to do and let's get it done. Okay, so here's here's one thing. Well, I, you know, missionary, because I'm a missionary, so I run into missionaries all the time. We're raising $50,000 for this or $100,000 for that or we need, we need this money to build this building. Not if it's God's will. You just got to do what you're supposed to do and God will take care of all that stuff. We don't have to force God's hand with anything. Like we don't give to missions. By the way, I brag in this church everywhere, you're giving to missions. But do you realize if you stop giving to missions, all the missionaries that you support would stay in the field? Like God doesn't need us to get missions done. This is one of the things that God, God sort of changed in our hearts and changed our, our way of thinking. God didn't call us to Bulgaria because we were the answer for Bulgaria. He called us to Bulgaria because he was working on us and working on the way, the way we think. Like we were thinking wrongly. And we were, uh, we're, we're God's trying to, to cleanse and purify each one of us. And he's used Bulgaria to get that done in, in our life. Bulgaria is our cancer. Bulgaria is our loss of a brother, sister, or child. Bulgaria is our, you know, our handicap. Where God uses that difficult thing in our lives to purify us and to make us what he wants for his glory. Um, One of the things that God did there in Bulgaria, or has been doing or is doing, is He's he's opened up our vision to the world in 2005 he opened up the door for us to to go to turkey like again when i was went to bulgaria it's like bulgaria 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 well he opened up the door in 2005 for turkey and then in 2010 he opened up the door is like i was thinking varna varna like this this is where our church was we're out every week knocking on doors we were passing out flyers we'd we'd pass out 900,000 tracts we have like we had like 20 people in our church and in five years, we passed out nine hundred thousand tracks in our city, and, so, and it was like Varna, Varna, Varna. It was like this is was like the, the beat we were going to Varna, Varna, Varna. And God's like, "Hey, dingbat, you know, you have a whole country here. These people have not heard the gospel anywhere in this country." And just he was sort of like slapped me upside the head, and and I'm sure I've told the story, but. We, our little church at 30 people, we made the decision in 2010, we're like, let's just get the gospel to everybody. Okay, Varna, okay, we're here, the church is here, but let's let's get the gospel to our country. Again, it was about the size of Ohio, about the population of Ohio. Because there's no other, there's not churches. Like here you go down the road, you got, you know, you got old time down there, and you got Brother Constantino up there, and you got Brother Herdzik down south. You got everybody, you got, everybody's everywhere. You don't have to worry about trying to get the gospel to somebody in, you know, Wheatfield, because... You're, you're, you guys are preaching the gospel here, the light here. <clears throat> but for a missionary, it's not like that. A lot of places are really dark, and the people just don't have the gospel. And so we made that decision as a church. And Don Sturts calls me. I didn't know Don Sturts. I had met him once. He calls me. He's like, we met three years ago, um, in in the capital. He goes, I have a container of John of Romans in Bulgarian. You know anybody that wants these over there? And it was like the Lord was like, look, I told you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and I'll take care of everything else. And he's taken care of, and he has, he's taken care of us, our clothes, and our food, and our housing. I don't have time to tell that story about the house we live in. We live in a 5,000 square foot house. You can see the black sea out of it. Frank and Seth have been there. And I've never met the owner. Like we have no lease or anything. We've been there 13 and a half years. He's never raised the rent, never met the owner, haven't talked to the owner in 13 years. Last time I talked to him was 13 years ago. Why? Because seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added. Unto you. And again, if you've been serving God for 15, 20, 30 years, you don't get to a point where, okay, well, now we're good. Because now, if you read the Bible, but our personal experience is now God's taking us, okay, out of this house we've been in for 13 years, out of this city we've been in 20 years, we, even in Bulgaria we got, we're getting comfortable with Varna. Like we get comfortable with people being rude to us and stuff. Like they're, but they're our kind of rude, right, in Varna. These people are a different kind of rude, but this is our kind of rude. And God's taking us and moving us to a Muslim place. Well, it's his business. And our job is just to be moldable. So if you're a young couple with no kids, or you have a couple of kids, or you've been in church for 50 years, or you're a young person that's surrendered to the mission field, or you've been doing the same thing for you know X amount of time, just stay moldable. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and he'll take care of everything else. He'll lead and guide you to where he wants you to go. Jonah Jonah's most famous, the most famous story of his life is when his flesh met God's will. I'm sure he preached, I mean, this wasn't his only sermon, was to Nineveh. He was God's man. But what he's known for is when he allowed God's will to overpower his flesh. And that's what people are going to know you for too. Just let God have his way. Just trust him. He knows what he's doing. Seek His kingdom first, seek his righteousness first, in a in a society that's and it's not just America, but where people don't seek the righteousness of God anymore. Where, okay, yeah, we did that, you know, anti-rock music, anti you know, drinking, anti you know, you know, tight gene thing. We did that back in the eighties and nineties, but putting aside that righteousness. Well, yeah, this is, you know, I don't like that person anymore, so we're going to get divorced and marry this person over here. That lack of righteousness, God says, no, you, you seek my kingdom, my righteousness, I'll take care of everything else. You want to do it on your own? I think all of us can look around and see the result of that. We have people in our lives that are trying to do it on their own. You just can't do it. You just can't do it. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the examples we have of men that were flesh and blood. <clears throat> flesh and bone like us, same same temptations, same inclinations, <clears throat> same trials, same emotions, same discouragements. I think of Elijah. I mean, they're all over the Bible. But God, they were examples to us. And God, I pray that you would use your word today to, to give us light, to read, Help us to refocus ourselves on you, not our expectations of where we think we should be, but to focus our eyes on you and your glory and what you want and your will. And I pray that each one of us would allow ourselves to be directed by you, to be moved by you. And for your glory, Father, use us in this world. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your sacrifice on the cross for us. We pray that you'd be with the service to come. If there's somebody here that's not saved today, Father, we pray that you would draw that person to salvation and that you would accomplish your will today amongst us. We pray this in the name of Jesus and for your glory. Amen.